Hello, everybody. Welcome to this live of the Lila Rose podcast on the YouTube channel. If you're listening on podcasts later, welcome back to the Lila Rose podcast. It's great to be with all of you guys. We are in an evolving studio. You can see our new backdrop here if you're watching on YouTube, which I'm really excited about. Big shout out to Franco, our producer, who worked really hard to put this up. Um, beautiful things take time, so we're in the process, but it's been really fun to continue to evolve production on the podcast. And I want to thank a big thank you to our Patreon supporters and our local supporters and, of course, our sponsors who are helping make the podcast possible. So thank you so much. And if you're not already part of the Patreon or the locals, don't forget to check that out. We are 100% listener supporter supported at the podcast, whether it's through Patreon locals or through the sponsors. So thank you guys so much for all of the support for the show. It's really fun and I love getting to do this and I love getting to talk to everybody. All right, so for today's live, there's a ton of news to cover, especially about abortion and IVF from the last week. My phone has been ringing off the hook with media calls over the last week and interviews about Alabama's Supreme Court ruling on IVF, which has been really consequential, and we're going to talk about why that is. There's also a story out that has been becoming more viral about live action in the news, my pro-life organization, because of work we're doing to get fetal development content in public schools. I'm gonna mention that at the end and talk, give you guys an update on that, but who knew that fetal development content could be so so controversial for many people, especially on the pro-abortion left, unfortunately. They don't want students to have access to that. So a lot to cover today, and the chat is open here, so I will keep an eye on the chat. If people want to put questions in, I might be able to get to questions or comments, so feel free to engage with the chat if you are watching this when we do this live. Okay, so I want to start with the news that is top of mind for a lot of people which is IVF, in vitro fertilization, which is a reproductive technology that came on the scene about four decades ago where children can be conceived outside of their mother's body. They can be conceived using sometimes a, a donor for a sperm, a donor for an egg, and they can be conceived in a Petri dish ultimately. They can be uh, conceived without using uh, the natural processes of, of reproduction that human beings have. And so there's a, lot of, there's a lot to say about this. My goal today is to give you an update on what's happening in the news, and then most importantly, share some facts that are not as well known about IVF that I think are crucial for everyone to know, especially pro-life people who care about preborn lives and anyone of good conscience, because I think there's a lot of ignorance or misunderstanding around IVF. And so the goal of this episode is to break down what IVF is and the consequences of IVF that many are not aware of. And that's why we're calling this the truth about IVF. So I wanna start with what's in the news. You might have seen the GOP front runner, <laughs> President Trump has come out and he actually is in some ways decrying the Alabama Supreme Court decision. And the Alabama Supreme Court decision, ultimately, I'll get into this more in a moment, it asserted that children conceived via IVF can be actually, uh, their parents can sue in a wrongful death lawsuit and they can be considered humans. So it basically gave them this bare minimum level of legal status that they are human lives. That's a great thing because they are human lives. Uh, because of this, some fertility clinics in Alabama have decided to shut down because they don't wanna be held liable if they destroy human lives in their clinic. 
uh, because of their just lack of carefulness with these embryos. I mean, what happened in the case of the Alabama case that was being considered is these children were frozen. A patient wandered in and accidentally literally dropped the children on the ground and killed them, these embryos who were indefinitely frozen, and there was going to be no consequences. No, no recourse for the parents. And so they asked for recourse and the Alabama Supreme Court said, you get recourse. Here, it's a fertility clinic's fault that just allowed someone to wander in and just smash the embryos. And now fertility clinics are saying, we don't wanna be held accountable. If, you, if we get our embryos smashed in our facility, uh, we want no accountability basically. So unfortunately, let's go to President Trump's statement here. Unfortunately, a number of certainly people on the left Biden, President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, others have been decrying the Alabama Supreme Court. How dare you? You're going to threaten IVF treatments across the country. How dare you give any legal status to these children, basically, is what they're saying. And even on the right, there's some voices saying similar things. So President Trump says that he strongly supports the availability of IVF, and he calls on lawmakers in Alabama to preserve access. Access is that word, right, to treatment that has become a new flashpoint in the 2024 presidential election. We're actually going to hear a statement he recently made about this last week. So, okay, so what he's saying, you guys can hear this, but he's saying, the Republican Party will always support creating strong, thriving families, America first, and we want to make it easier for mothers and fathers to have babies and it harder. So he's basically saying, actually, we need more IVF. You know, instead of holding IVF clinics accountable, instead of providing legal status to children, this is the implication, right? We need to make IVF even easier to access, all right? Then there's Carrie Lake. Everyone has probably heard of Carrie Lake, Carrie Lake, who ran for governor in Arizona, and she tweeted this. She said, one in six Americans struggle with fertility issues, in the Senate, now she's running for Senate, excuse me. In the Senate, I will advocate for increased access to fertility treatment for women struggling to get pregnant. IVF is extremely important for helping countless families experience the joy of parenthood. I oppose restrictions. Now, keep in mind, there are almost no restrictions in the United States for IVF. I'm going to get into that more in a moment. But there aren't really restrictions as it is. She's effectively saying she opposes this Alabama Supreme Court decision that gives any legal status to these embryos so that they can even be considered in a wrongful death lawsuit by even the parents who are upset with the fertility clinic being careless and allowing the children to be destroyed. So that's really what's at stake here. It's the moral and the legal status of these embryos, of these human lives. And unfortunately, you're seeing from President Trump, from people like Senate candidate Carrie Lake and others, even on the right, saying, no, at all costs, protect IVF, i.e. let people do whatever they want in the IVF world to pursue creating new lives, children, because it's that important. All right, we're going to break this down, why this is problematic, why this matters. Before we do that, though, I need to thank our sponsors. We have three sponsors today of this episode who will make it possible. And a huge shout out to Good Ranchers. You guys have heard me talk about Good Ranchers before. They've got a great special going on right now. This is American Meat Delivered. So it's your meat, poultry, pork, and fish all sourced directly from US ranchers, because most of your meat comes from the grocery store. 
um, that comes from the grocery store is coming from other countries, actually, and you don't know that. It says product of the USA. It gets relabeled, but it's from other countries. Good Ranchers is 100% sourced in the USA, so you're supporting local and family farms and ranches. And if you sign up today using the code LILA at checkout, you actually get bacon for free for four years. So if you sign up as a subscription and you get your box of delicious cuts of meat and chicken, you actually get a pound and a half of bacon every single box for four years. It's actually a really good deal, and their bacon is really good. So check that out. That's GoodRanchers.com. Use the code Lila, GoodRanchers.com. Also want to thank Nimi. Um, Nimi Skincare is, that's N-I-M-I Skincare.com. It's what I use. I use Nimi Skincare. I use all these products, so I'm proud to talk about them on the show. But Nimi Skincare is the best skincare company that I've found I love that they support our values. They're pro-life, they're pro-family, they're aligned. You don't find that in most beauty products or skincare products today. Unfortunately, they're all very woke or they support abortion. Nimi supports life, but Nimi Skincare is also an amazing product. It's very clean. I love their deep hydrating moisturizer. I use their vitamin C sunscreen that's brightening. They've got a ton of great products. It's a simple use line, so you can pick your different skin type and the different products for it, but it's easy to navigate. That's nimiskincare.com, and you can use the code LILA at checkout for 15% off your order, which is great. nimiskincare.com, 15% off your order using the code LILA. Last sponsor. Guys, please support these sponsors. They're amazing. I love all the products. I use them. Seven Weeks Coffee. Just made a cup of coffee with Seven Weeks this morning at my house. Really delicious. Just ground the beans. It was the Ethiopian uh, medium roast. It's so fragrant and aromatic. It's like a floral kind of warm blend that I just think is delicious, but they have tons of other blends. It's gourmet, low batch created or small batch created, acid free, ethically sourced, all the things you could want. And you can order it directly to your door and seven weeks supports the pro-life movement. Again, support companies that support your values. Sevenweeks.com, 10% of all the money you spend buying this coffee goes to pregnancy centers and pro-life groups that help moms and babies. What more could you want, right? So sevenweekscoffee.com, what are you waiting for? Uh, go there now, use the code Lila for 10% off your order. You're gonna love the coffee. Let me know what you think. If you're drinking seven weeks, let me know. I need to like bring seven weeks mug to the studio and show you guys, what, show I'm drinking it, but um, it's delicious coffee. You're not gonna be disappointed, you're gonna love it. And the team there, again, the people behind these organizations are just wonderful people too. So check them out, sevenweekscoffee.com. Uh, use the code Lila at checkout for 10% off your order. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Okay, so Alabama Supreme Court has said that this is what they said exactly. This is important because right now there's a hullabaloo in the media that, you know, conservatives are, you know, Republicans are trying to ban fertility treatments and infringe on reproductive health care. What exactly did the court say? The court ruled that embryos, whether they're in their mother's uterus or in a, in a test tube in a fertility clinic, that embryos are covered under Alabama's wrongful death statute. The court didn't say that these embryos have full constitutional rights. This is an important distinction. I wish the court, the Alabama Supreme Court had said, they have equal status under the law like any other child, that you can't kill them, you can't manipulate them, you can't do medical experiments on them. The court didn't say that, but the court did say at minimum that they are covered under Alabama's wrongful death statute. Think about that for a minute. That means if you're a fertility clinic, you can't be negligent. You can't just let someone wander in and smash jars of human lives that are tiny and that are frozen indefinitely. That there's some sort of recourse and responsibility 
there's some sort of consequence that should be had for killing a human being. I mean, you drive through a red light, you hit a human being, there's a consequence. There should be a consequence because human lives are precious and they're all equally precious. But unfortunately, in America's IVF industry, we don't, we don't operate that way. So think about all the, art, the, the comments being made, whether it's President Trump or President Biden or you know, Carrie Lake or whoever it is, what they're actually talking about is the Alabama Supreme Court saying at minimum, these children should be recognized under wrongful death lawsuits. At minimum, that's all that it's saying. It's not even saying they get full constitutional privileges or, or rights. So let's go through some facts about IVF now that I think are really important. And we're going to run through these. We'll talk about this on future episodes. I also want to mention I did an interview with Jennifer Lal, which was fascinating. She's an expert on uh, egg donations, sperm donations. She's investigated big fertility for over a decade. And she's done documentary films. Her documentary film, Exploitation, was about the egg donation industry and how exploitative it is of women. Check out that interview I did. It's over on the live action channel and you'll hear a lot more about big fertility and IVF industry there. But I wanna run through some important facts that you need to know. First of all, I need to say this. Infertility is a big cross, it is. I know people who struggle with it. It's extremely painful, excruciatingly painful for many couples. And unfortunately, because of many environmental factors, I think because of the use in the past of hormonal birth control, other aspects of how we just operate today in the modern world, infertility is increasingly common. People delaying having babies. So more and more people are turning to IVF. But just because something is technologically possible doesn't mean that it's the moral decision and doesn't mean that it's the right decision. I also wanna call out an important distinction head on about the difference between IVF and adoption. IVF is creating a new human life that's gonna be now fraught with a lot of dangers to that life, we're gonna talk about that, as opposed to adoption, which is healing a wound of providing parents for a new human life that's already been created. So in IVF, the parents or the adults want to heal the wound that they are experiencing of infertility by bringing a life or multiple lives into existence to try to have a, a child that they can give birth to, right? With adoption, it's a baby that's already been conceived, that is orphaned ultimately and needs parents. And so the wound of being orphaned is being healed for that child. This is a tremendously important distinction because IVF is focused on meeting the parents' needs by delivering a child one way or another. Adoption is focused primarily on healing the child's needs and solving the child's needs by providing a child who already exists with parents when that child has been orphaned or is otherwise in danger. So wanted to call that out because some people say, how can you be against IVF? You're, you're pro-life, I thought. There's an important distinction here about what these are used for in the, in the world. And IVF is used for the parent to have that child they, demand, they really seek or demand Adoption is to get that child the parents that that child needs. Let's run through some of the challenges with IVF that many people may not know. Number one, there are very high death rates for babies in IVF. IVF is extremely dangerous for the new human lives that are created. I'm gonna cite some studies here. For example, according to research published in the Reproductive Biomedicine, um, Biomedicine Online, in vitro fertilization is carried out 2.5 million times annually around the world. But each year, only half a million babies are actually born from the IVF procedure. 
This means that each year, if just one embryo is created during each IVF cycle, the average is seven cycles for IVF, at least 80%, at least 2 million of these human beings created through IVF are either dying through the process of IVF because it's hard, you have to go through often multiple cycles for the baby to catch, to be implanted, or they're frozen indefinitely. There's an estimated 1 million children frozen indefinitely right now in the United States, or they're destroyed. Many children are seen as not up to the bar in the quality of the embryo that they are, or they're the wrong gender, they're the wrong sex, and so they're simply destroyed. So there are very high death rates for babies in IVF. In this way, IVF promotes the discarding of extra embryos, which are developing humans. Again, we know when human life begins, begins at fertilization. These are unique individual human boys or girls. Their genetic code's fully present. They just need time and nourishment to grow. They need that nurture. But the reality is IVF usually entails the creation of multiple embryos. That way there's a greater chance of implantation. That's why so many are frozen. You know, they're the leftovers. Maybe we'll have them in the future. Maybe we won't. And then these embryos are screened for genetic disorders, handicaps, or even for their gender. Over 70% of U.S. fertility clinics allow screening just for gender. So you can literally destroy the baby if you don't like the sex of the baby. And this is common practice. And then the undesirable embryos are discarded. This is absolutely heartbreaking, right? It's treating human lives like commodities. And yet this is common practice, unfortunately, in today's, and it's perfectly legal, in today's IVF industry. Another truth about IVF people should know. IVF often can result in the conception of multiples. So there's a practice by many fertility clinics, not all and not all couples, but by many, where multiples might be implanted because there's a higher, higher chance of one of the babies succeeding than the, the kind of rate of seven maybe cycles of IVF and then it fails, the baby doesn't catch and then the, you know doesn't implant properly or doesn't develop properly. Tragically, in many cases, there's some famous stories out there of women who actually share in their Slate article writing about how, oh, I implanted three, I only wanted one or two, the babies all took, and now the doctor's telling me it's dangerous to have triplets, so I'm going to selectively reduce, is what they use, the, the language they use. Selective reduction is the euphemistic language that's used to talk about these babies, and what that is is an abortion, often a second trimester abortion, because that's kind of when you know whether they'll take or not, so to speak. If they've made it through the first trimester, that's when most miscarriages happen. So they're in the second trimester. It's like, oh, the baby hasn't died yet. It's still alive. Dang it. We better selectively reduce. And so what is legal in this country is you can go in and a baby that you intentionally conceived, this wasn't like a one night stand and an accidental conception and you're like, I don't want responsibility. You paid money to conceive this new little life. And now you think, oh, I don't want this baby anymore because it was supposed to die and it didn't. So I'm gonna go in and kill it. I'm gonna go in and abort it. And so we permit in this country selective reduction where we abort IVF conceived babies and there's no consequence. There's no recourse for their, there's no human rights, no legal status. Another fact about IVF that people should know Prepping for IVF requires significant alterations to the hormone levels in a woman so that she can 
be ready to receive this pregnancy, right? I mean, it's the baby's already conceived, but now she has to prepare her body and trick it into thinking it's pregnant in just the right way so that the baby will implant in her uterus, right? The reality of that though is that going through this hormone therapy for women, besides being very taxing, very expensive often, very painful, it can also have consequences. Having these high levels of estrogen to kind of trick your body into thinking it's pregnant can cause irregular periods, it can cause depression, uterine fibroids, osteoporosis, memory loss, and infections. So this isn't a walk in the park for the mothers either, for the women. This is incredibly taxing, both physically and emotionally, as well as dangerous for women to be doing this unnatural process of preparing and priming their body for an embryo that wasn't conceived in their body. Another fact about IVF that people should know. Advances with IVF has permitted parents to have a screening process where they can make sure that the baby that they're bringing into the world has desirable traits and has no genetic defects. So what happens in many clinics is these children are subjected to genetic testing to ensure they fit the parameters of what the parents want. You see this a lot even before the fertilization of that embryo when the parents, if it's like a same-sex couple, is shopping for an egg or a sperm of another individual and so you actually see them setting the bar for what they want in that egg donor per se. There is an infamous YouTube couple recently, two men, that were very public about their IVF journey. And they went through this long process to get, I think they ended up getting 10 frozen embryos, 10 babies. And who knows how many they tried to create before that. And then they brought into the world two little boys through surrogates. But they're joking on camera on their YouTube channel. This is Shane Dawson and his same-sex partner. They're joking about how they were looking for a beautiful, you know, a very pretty woman, attractive woman with certain qualities to be the egg donor because they want their kids to be attractive. And so they're literally shopping, like you'd shop for clothes or a car or a house or whatever. They're shopping for their child. And then they don't just shop for the child. They do some magic or their, their technology. You know, they pay a boatload of money, by the way. There's no vetting here either. It's not like Shane Dawson has to go through some lengthy approval process like you do for adoption. He can just buy those eggs from a, from a sperm or from an egg donor. And then they go through this process in the IVF clinic of saying, okay, well, how many boys do we got? How many bo girls? Oh, we don't want the girls. We just want the boys. Okay. Oh, we just want two. We don't want three. So now there's eight babies. Maybe there were more originally indefinitely frozen that may end up getting discarded, that means killed, or donated for medical experimentation later down the line. And meanwhile, because of IVF, Shane Dawson and his same-sex partner, his, his, the, the other man, are bringing home to their home two babies that share maybe a biological link to only one of them and has a mother out there that was the donor that they'll never know, they'll never know a mother, and we, there's no, there's no check-in process on how are they doing? How's this baby? How's this family? It's done because they had the money to pay for it. That is what IVF has allowed parents to screen out embryos with genetic disabilities and to basically create super babies, the baby of their design. And if you have enough money and you can go through enough cycles and hire enough donors and hire enough surrogates, then you can move forward and basically purchase your baby.
That's what IVF allows. And it's, it's heartbreaking. I got to tell one more story about this too. I've talked about this before in some speeches on, on social media, but I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast yet. And that's the story of a woman named Brittany in the state of California who was a surrogate. So she was paid to carry other people's children who are going through the IVF process. And in one case, she was paid by two men, again, a same-sex couple, to carry a little boy. And she did that. And she discovered when the boy was around 20 weeks old, pre-born, that the healthy, you know, healthy boy, healthy pregnancy, but that she had breast cancer. And so she wanted to start a process for uh, cancer treatments, basically. And she was concerned that this would hurt the baby. So she was willing to delay it a little bit and then undergo an early delivery, which again, this can be very ethical to protect the baby, but basically give the baby a, a, a chance, give, you know, give him a few more weeks, get him in NICU and do an early delivery so that the cancer treatments wouldn't harm the baby. And the same-sex couple told her, we don't want a NICU baby. We don't want an early delivered baby, abort the baby, kill the baby. And she was like, no, I can't. It's a 20-week-old baby. I'm not going to do that. It's this little boy is perfectly healthy. No, you spent all this money to create him. Why are you going to kill him? And there's like, we do not want to deal with a NICU baby. We don't want to deal with a little boy that might have issues from being a pre preemie. And she was saying, no, I don't want to do this. But they were legally, in their contract, they legally got to call the shots. And she went through with an early delivery at an age when he was too little to survive, 21 weeks, I think, and the hospital didn't even attempt to resuscitate or give him life-saving support. Because you can actually survive as early as 21 weeks, five days. I think that's the earliest surviving preemie. He didn't even get a chance. He was killed. He was murdered in that hospital. Now, in this story, obviously, these extremely selfish men that did this to him, treating him like worse than property, property that they would literally throw in the trash can, it's evil what they did. I think it's also evil what she did, that she permitted this, that she didn't fight harder. Um, I think it's problematic to even do surrogacy, obviously highly ethically wrong, I think, to do any of this because of the, the treatment of human beings like commodities. And that's kind of the final point about the truth about IVF here is that IVF breaks the natural order. And I, I can understand why people want to break it because if the natural order feels broken already, right, there's infertility, can understand why people want technology that will solve that. But in pursuing this technology, it has led to tremendous human rights abuses of these children. And many remain indefinitely frozen or have been already destroyed or have been subjected to selective reduction abortions or medical research and killed. So I believe it is time for the USA to have a reckoning with big fertility, with the fertility industry, and for people to be made aware of all of the ethical harms, the, the human rights abuses of this often well-intentioned but dangerous technology, and instead to rediscover fertility treatments and, and double down on fertility treatments and a mindset about children that is more ethical. And that's what I wanna end with here because there is hope here. Again, I understand people that are just desperate for a child. It's a painful, painful position to be in, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But the solution is not to pursue something that is ultimately going to go against our nature as human beings, the natural bond of love that how children are conceived through the love of their parents, and ultimately subject them to such risk and so much abuse. 
And so what are the better ways? Well, first of all, one better way is things like NAPRO technology. NAPRO technology is natural procreative technology. It's designed to work with a woman's body to address underlying conditions about why she might be infertile or for the man, underlying conditions about why he might be infertile. Often people can be diagnosed as infertile after even just six months or a year and qualify for IVF without even having this deep dive done into their medical history, into why they're struggling with infertility to begin with. Um, people are looking for quick answers and that's what IVF seems to promise them, but unfortunately it often doesn't come true. But NAPR technology is the deeper way to really understand, okay, what's going on here? Is there, are there ovarian cysts? Is there polycystic ovarian disease? Is there repetitive miscarriage caused by hormonal balance? What are the other health complications that might be present here? And unfortunately in modern Western medicine in America, I think sometimes doctors are looking for the quick fix. They're not taking the time to really evaluate what's going on with this woman's body or with her husband's, you know, the man's body. What, what can we do here to heal at a very deep level? And on the podcast, actually, we're going to have on Lauren Rubal, who's a fertility specialist, including in NAPRO technology, and she is going to deep dive some of these treatments for us. She was on the show last year. And last year, she talked about why she left the IVF industry because it was unethical. She had seen enough and she's like, I can't keep doing this. And why she totally changed her practice to be more for natural technologies that are not going to put the baby at risk or the mother at risk and that are ethical. So I'm really excited for that conversation. And I think that will open the door more for solutions. I wanna close the conversation about IVF with this. Any baby conceived via IVF is equally precious and purposed, and God has a plan for them, and they deserve protection. So there's children and people walking around, and in fact, some I think as old as 40 years old now, the first technology I think worked almost four decades ago, if I have the, uh, the numbers right here, but these are human lives. So this is not in any way to say that if you're conceived via IVF, that your life isn't precious, God doesn't have a plan for you, of course. I mean, the whole point of why IVF is a problem is because life is precious, is because life is sacred. And because the natural order of how life comes into the world should not be broken. And so I just want to encourage people listening that life is sacred. These embryos that are frozen indefinitely, they deserve legal status. There are beautiful efforts to adopt them, actually. It's called snowflake adoption. And some couples that struggle with infertility have sought to do that. I think this can be a beautiful solution um, there's kind of ethical ramifications there. We're not going to get into there, but I think it can. There are ways to pursue that ethically. And I think that that can be a beautiful response. I also think adoption can be a beautiful response. But the final point is this. Nobody is owed a child. I mean, this is a hard truth. No one's owed a child. No individual, no couple, no married couple is owed a human child. They're a gift. They're pure gift. And so we are blessed with that gift. We should be extremely thankful and cherish that life and serve that life. But no one's owed a child. We're, we, we, are, we have the opportunity to seek a child, you know, if we get married and try to conceive, but we don't, we're not owed that life. And so we need to change our mindset at large, I think, about children in this country. And unfortunately, because of abortion, because of IVF, because of these things, we have this mindset that children, you snap your fingers, pay enough, you work hard enough, you get them. You don't want the child, you've conceived, you know, you're pregnant, get rid of it. We have this commercial mentality, this use mentality about kids. 
which needs to be adjusted to one that is more about gift and love. Because at the end of the day, human beings were designed to love and we are gifts, freely given, freely received, but not always promised gifts to one another. All right, before we close up though, I wanna quickly mention Baby Olivia. So Baby Olivia is a uh, video that Live Action produced three years ago. And actually, Franco, if you type in Baby Olivia, you can pull it up, Baby Olivia Live Action. You probably have seen this video if you're listening. If you haven't, check it out. It's been viewed, I think, 50 million times online. The first year it was released, it got 30 million views. And now all of these states are putting it in their school curriculum. And public schools are being required to include this in the classroom, to watch this beautiful, lifelike, medically accurate animation of human life in the womb. So this can only be good news, right? It doesn't even mention abortion, this video. It's just like, hi, I'm Olivia. At three and a half weeks, my heart is beating. I mean, it's all the developmental markers that are scientifically, scientifically correct. Well, live action's in a fight right now with a ton of these media groups like Associated Press and uh, Mother Jones and all of these unfortunately pro-abort media groups, Washington Post, who are angry that students would have access to baby Olivia because it's pro-life propaganda, anti-abortion propaganda. Abortion's not mentioned at all and everything in this video is medically accurate. They cannot point to one specific thing that's inaccurate. I'm bringing this up because I want you guys to go right now. You can go to liveaction.org or you can type in baby Olivia on Google, watch the video and share it. <laughs> Let's make Olivia more popular than ever and make it more accessible than ever to people across the country and go to liveaction.org and sign up to um, support us or stay connected with us so that you can help us in this journey. Again, we're not doing the legislative work. That's lawmakers. They're doing a great job. They don't need us for that. But our job is to create the content that's best in class, medically accurate content that can be used in schools. And so we're super pumped about it. And surprise, surprise, pro-abortion media is not. So that's what you get, right? Um, that's, that's the fight of our lives. Follow the science until it's inconvenient, right? If you're on the, the pro-abortion left, follow the science until the science tells you this is a human life. And then you're mad because you want to support killing the human life. So you say, shut it down. I mean, it's crazy the comments we've seen, people saying, this is propaganda. Why would you subject children to this? It's like, this is, this is basic medical. I mean, you could go to babycenter.com or any pregnancy app and the same markers we use in this video will be on that app. But oh, if the student in the sex ed or the biology classroom sees it, they might think it's a baby. They might think it's a human. And then they might think, don't kill them in an abortion. And that very logical thought process is what the pro-abortion media and activists are raging mad about. So make them more mad in a loving way by sharing Olivia and you can, we'll link it in the, in the bio as well. All right, guys, thank you for joining me for this live. I really appreciate you guys listening and supporting the show. Send me your thoughts on IVF. Send me your thoughts on baby Olivia. I love to hear from you. You can do that by emailing me at Lila at gtb, gtbmedia.com. And don't forget, Locals and Patreon, that's where you can join our communities. You can support the show. And you can also, we'll be doing more behind the scenes stuff in the future there. And we were first to post there about what's coming up on the podcast and upcoming live events. Thank you guys so much. And we will see you next time.